Beyond the Burr Oaks, Chapter 3 The sun was peeping over the treetops the next morning when the crunching of horses' feet outside the house drew our attention. Dora, jumping up from the breakfast table, ran to the window and, drawing the curtains to one side, peered out. "'My gosh!' she exclaimed. "'It's Carl's dad! I wonder what he wants.' The words were scarcely out of her mouth when old Jake Faring, without waiting to be admitted, flung the door open and entered boldly. Having heard the last of Dora's words, he came to a halt in front of her. Well, he blurted out, giving his head a quick jerk, if you want to know what I want, it's this. Where is Carl? Right in here, Mr. Faring interrupted Mrs. Lane in a kindly tone, leading the way to the room Carl was occupying. Half an hour later, I was busy in the barn with the morning chores when Dora came to the barn door and called my name. "'What is it?' I asked, stepping out from between the horses. "'Oh, Ken!' she cried. "'What have you done? Mr. Faring is awful mad and wants you to come up to the house.' He even said, never mind, Dora, I cut in. I know just about what he said. You just tell him I'm here in the barn if he wants me. Little time Dora wasted returning to the house, for I had just picked up a pitchfork and resumed feeding the horses their hay when I heard the squeaky voice of old Jake as he entered the door. Looking around, I couldn't help snickering for there by the door stood old Jake with the long, limber buggy whip waving in the air and causing all the horses to crowd up in their stalls, trembling. "'You're scaring the horses with that darn whip, Jake,' I complained. "'What you want with it in here is more than I can see.' "'Well, you'll find out darn soon,' he exploded, coming down through the barn at a quick pace, chewing and spitting in every direction. About six feet in front of me, he came to a halt with the whip uplifted, ready to strike. Jake, I warned, you'll be sorry if you ever hit me with that whip. Concern ye, ejaculated old Jake, jumping up and down in rage, with his head bobbing about as if it were on a swivel and his little, bony, dried-up fist flashing back and forth in front of my face. If it weren't for the law, I'd just thrash you to death, and I don't know but what they'd uphold me for doing the likes to such a cowardly scoundrel as you. So take that! Like a bolt of lightning, the whip shot forth. With a deafening crack, it bit deep into my cheek, freeing a warm crimson stream which slowly made its way along my jaw and down my neck. Giving a low whine, I shrunk back, covering my paining cheek with my hands. Blow after blow cut deep into the backs of my hands until the pain was unbearable. Then, like a cornered animal, I gave a vicious snarl and sprang upon old Jake. 
grasping the whip and throwing it, taking him by the nape of the neck, I gradually tightened my hold till he went to his knees. Now, you old hatchet-faced fool, what have I done that I should be such a coward and deserve a whipping from you? You know darn well what you done, he gasped. You, you beat my Carl up when he was unable to protect himself on account of the horses. Did Carl tell you that lie? I demanded. He only nodded. Then I released my vice-like grip on him, and he slumped to the floor, where he lay until I left the barn. Going to the house, I walked into Carl's room as unconcerned as if nothing had happened. Closing the door behind me, I sat down in a chair at the head of the bed. "'How do you feel?' I asked, and got a sneer in reply. "'Carl, if you don't tell the truth about that fight, I'm going to give you a good beating when you get well,' I threatened in a whisper. Giving me a mean, tormenting grin, he rolled over with his back toward me. "'And another thing you can think about,' is leaving for home with your old man in a few minutes, I said, as I left the room. When I went outside, old Jake had everything ready for his return journey, and the horses that Carl had driven the day before were tied on behind the sleigh. If you're ready to go, I'll help you carry Carl out, I offered, but received no response. When he went in the house, I followed close behind, intending to help anyway. Straight across the kitchen to Carl's room he went, with me right on his heels. Entering Carl's room, he slammed the door in my face. Taking a chair by the door, I waited for them to emerge, in case Carl should need help out to the sleigh. It was but a few minutes when the old man opened the door and Carl limped forth. They had driven from the yard into the road when Mrs. Lane turned to me, sobbing. "'Oh, Ken, what can we do now?' she sobbed. "'It would kill my poor Dave if he knew.' "'Knew what?' I asked in amazement. "'Has old Jake done some more of his devilry?' "'Yes,' she replied sorrowfully, nodding her head. "'What has the old skinflint done, Auntie?' I asked kindly. "'He's threatened to kick us out, and I don't know how we can stop him,' she moaned, pacing back and forth and frantically wringing her hands. "'Oh, I just know,' she went on. "'It's going to kill my poor Dave when he finds out that Mr. Faring is going to take everything we ever had if something isn't done soon, because Mr. Faring has loaned us money on everything,' "'Cows, horses, farm, home, and all.' "'Now, now, don't feel that way,' I soothed her. "'I will find work right away, "'and with the money I gave Uncle Dave last night, "'we will be able to make things okay. "'Even if we can't, "'we can borrow the rest of the money from someone else. "'I'm afraid we couldn't borrow, "'for I've tried that, Ken, "'and couldn't borrow a cent.' so I coaxed Mr. Faring to extend the notes and mortgage till this coming February, which is but little more than a month off. 
But how much do you owe him? I asked. Twelve hundred dollars on the mortgage and five hundred dollars in notes. Huh, that's nothing. I encouraged her, although I had no idea where I could get that amount. You don't mean to say you can get that much money, do you, Ken? She asked in surprise. You bet I do, I assured her. And get it honestly? She quizzed. Yep. How? You just leave that to me, Auntie. I boasted as if it were a mere trifle. Oh, my boy, if you only knew what a burden you have released me of, she sighed. Yes, I thought to myself. I can feel it already. Leaving the house, I picked up an axe and sauntered over to a woodpile. All the while I chopped, my mind was busy trying to figure out a way to raise that money in so short a time. I considered every eligible person, but could select no one who would lend a thousand dollars on this property when it wasn't worth that much to anyone except Uncle Dave, and Old Jake. Who owned nearly all the surrounding land, the few buildings on the lane place and a little creek were what old Jake's greedy eyes had seen. They were just what he needed to go with the rest of his land. That evening, after Mrs. Lane had gone to bed, I sat alone with my head bowed in thought, until Dora, coming up behind me and laying her hand gently on my shoulder, asked. What is my big brother thinking of now? Of those whom I love best in all the world, I replied, taking her on my knee. And who are those lucky people? She teased. No one else but you, your father, and your mother. Oh, then you haven't forgotten me? No, Dora, I replied, looking down. And I never will forget you. In those four long years I was away, I did nothing but dream and think of the time when I could come back to claim you as my wife. But now I'm afraid we will have to wait again. Do you mean on account of Dad? Yes, Dora. I nodded. I owe your dad so much for what he has done for me, and now's my chance to repay him. Oh, Ken, if you only could! She exclaimed, throwing her arm around my neck. I could never love you enough for doing it, and I would wait for you forever. I love that good old dad of mine so much, and if you only knew what he means to mother and me, how he does cherish this little cabin of his amongst the pine and the bur oak. If he lost this place, I know he would not last long. Yes, I know it, Dora dear, and no one is going to take it away from him if I can help it. Kissing her good night, I went to my room, intending to get a few hours' sleep before starting on the twelve-mile journey to town in search of work or a way to raise the money. But sleep, I could not, for the question of where I was to get the money kept my mind in a whirl all night. There was but one person who might loan me the money, and he was Joe Bartz. He might do it to spite old Jake, for they were deadly enemies.